but stand fast, I really want you to think of this idea of rest, that the only battle that you and I are facing is to remain steadfast in a place of rest. And how do you know if you're in that place? It produces joy and peace, no matter what you're facing. Now, you probably heard me say this before, but I think it's worth mentioning again, is Adam's first day living was God's day of what? That should say something so important to all of us, is that the first day that Adam enjoyed on this earth was God going, enjoy all of my labor. And Jesus said, it is what? On the cross, he said, it is finished. And the writer of Hebrews says, now diligently work to what? Enter into a place of rest in what I've done. I finished it, Justin. I made your relationship with God perfect. I made your relationship with God good. I've given you, a no, I've given you everything you need pertaining to life. It's all yours. Now enjoy the ride. But many of us are still at that place of striving and we're still at that place of unrest and we're still at that place of God when, God why, God if, all these types of things. And so when you think about this idea of standing fast, and when you hear me talk about resisting the enemy, don't think about it from a place of just sheer fighting and sheer working hard. It's a place of what? Rest. We are fighting from a place of rest. We're resisting from a place of rest. We're relating with God from a place of rest. This entire life is enjoying what he already has done for us. And now I get to receive it. I get to walk in it. And I get to enjoy it. Now, you've heard me say a phrase over time. And this is something I'm very excited to share with you. I don't know if I can unpack it clearly yet. But it just started to go through my mind the last couple days. Is God is relational before functional. So you heard me say that many, many times. What happens when you say that phrase over and over and over is people look at function and go, ooh, what's that? We don't know what to do with it, right? We don't know if it's evil. We don't know if it's bad. We don't know, oh, don't, don't, don't do that. That's functional. And so what happens is, and somebody gave me a great explanation of it, uh, at New Day, function is like the redheaded stepchild that nobody knows what to do with, Right? And I, I thought it was an interesting statement, but he, he said it to me over a, a couple months ago. So I was like, well, I really believe that God is helping people get out of function so that function does no longer drive or define the relationship with God. It's because of what Jesus did, and I relate to Jesus, and he now brings me to the Father. And so that's why it's relational before functional. God is not expecting our function to improve our relationship with him. So where does function play in all this? And this is what I just, a brief deterrent from this message is I really wanted to put this in, into your minds because I won't speak about it until again until the next year. Um, by the way, so we have a Christmas service on the 22nd and then we have no service on the 29th. That may freak a lot of you out. <laughs> do whatever you need to do that morning. Um, just don't show up to my house, okay? <laughs> I will not have a message prepared whatsoever. And so what is the purpose of function? Now, please, get, when you get this, it could really impact the way that you use it. I relate with God based upon who? Jesus. So it is relational, but my function has to have a place. And when it's in its proper place, what do I do with it? Function is this. 
I build with God's tools, and I fight with his weapons. Okay, let me just backtrack and try to get you there. So I am 100% secure in my relationship with Christ, 100% because of Christ. This is completely relational. If I pray more, it does not make this better. If I pray less, read my Bible, go to church, it does not make what God and Jesus has done for me less or more inside my life. It's not what I do or what I don't do that determines the measure of God's love for me. That is 100% completely relational, which many of us are still not there yet. We still wake up going, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna earn an A today for you, God. And God goes, oh no, I already gave you an A. And we're like, no, 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 don't worry. Give me that at the end of the day when I show you how well I did that day. And then if I got a bad day, maybe I'll ask for your mercy and ask for the A. And he's like, well, why don't you just receive it when you start the day off? Why do you have to receive it afterwards? So where does function play? Function now is what I use. And when I say function, it's your routines, it's your habits, it's your, the things inside your life that are important, the Bible study, the memorization, to what? It's I build my life with the tools. I build now who I already am. Is anybody following me so far? I'm now building into what I am. And so it says, the reality is I'm in Christ. Now I need to develop what it means to be in Christ. So it's important to renew your mind. It's important to go over the scriptures. It's important to to spend time with the Father. Why? Because I'm now developing in who I already am. I'm not trying to make this thing better, but I'm also now fighting the enemy with God's weapons. So God has tools and he has weapons. Remember Nehemiah? When he was going to go build the walls, what did they do when they were building the walls? One hand, they had a, a tool, and in the other hand, they had a weapon. Why? Because as they were building, there was opposition. And this is what I've seen from an observation perspective. A lot of people are trying to build their life with God's wisdom, but they're not fighting the enemy, so everything they build keeps on getting dismantled over and over and over and over again. And they're wondering, God, why do all these things happen to me? Why can't I ever seem to get over the hump? Or why can't I ever see see the promises of God? It's because they're trying to build their life, but they're not fighting. And then I've seen others who fight all day long, but they're not building something for God. It's like they're always in this spiritual battle, but they're never building with God's wisdom and his understanding. So when I use God's wisdom and I use his understanding and I use his weapons to fight with, which we'll see in just a moment to resist the enemy with, the weapons of praise, the weapons of rest, the weapons of of my mouth declaring God's word, the weapons that God has given to me, when I use those, it's not to enhance this. Are you still following me? And this will make more sense later down the road as we talk about it more, but God is relational before he's functional, but he's not anti-function. But when function is first, and my function determines whether or not me and God are good, then I'm in trouble. If I'm using my function to either get closer to God or become a better Christian, I'm using it wrongly. If I use it to develop in who I already am and to fight with the weapons that he has given to me, therefore I'm now going to be one who walks in the victory that is already mine. I don't do these to get the victory. I don't do these to get free. I do these because that's who I already am. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Lord, show me how to walk in it. So Holy Spirit goes, okay, Justin, you want to learn how to walk in this? Okay, we're good. So let's, Megan, we're good, right? So we're good. There's no issue between us. Now, 
I, I'm going to draw you into my presence maybe for a half an hour today. And I want you just to begin to, and he'll show you now what to do. And now the Holy Spirit begins to lead these functions in my life because they've been birthed out of a relationship. And now I'm building my life and I'm fighting the enemy. And now I'm walking in the peace of God. I'm walking in the joy of the Lord. And so when I talk about resisting the enemy, it's a functional way of resisting. Why? Because it's in its proper place. We all need to resist the enemy. The, the Father does not do that for us. He defeated the enemy, but he does not resist him for us. Come on in, sir. Sit wherever you feel comfortable. Ephesians chapter, chapter 6. Let's put that on the screen, Nico. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to do a quick review and get into some things that I think are important. Finally, my brethren, be what? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. When you see that word stand, I want you to think of the word rest, okay? Because sometimes we think standing is a place of just, oh, I can't do this anymore. No, there's a place with God's grace where I can stand against the what? Wiles or the schemes of the enemy. Verse number 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, there are a lot of things in this world that we see evil being done through other people. I know abortion is a big issue when it comes to our world, and sometimes we get so fixated on the people that are propagating it that we start to now fight with flesh and blood, and we forget who is behind every single act that is taking place. It is a spiritual thing, and we feel like, of course, we're take your stand, do what you need to do to make sure you're, you're led by the Spirit, but also at the same time realize this is the truth. And he is going to consistently come against us because he is a ruler of the darkness of this age. And so we are to now fight him. So Satan comes to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. It's John chapter 10. He comes to steal, kill. How does he do so? In three ways that we talked about. He comes to what? Deceive. How many ever felt deceived before? And you don't know that you are, right? Until you what? Finally get insight or finally come to the truth about something. And so he comes to deceive us. Now remember, we're talking about resisting the enemy, so it's important to know how does the enemy work inside of people's lives. He comes to deceive. He comes to falsely accuse. How many have ever felt accused by the enemy? Like constantly he accuses. He's called the accuser of the brethren. Why would he accuse us? to get us out of a place of relational. Because if he accuses me of something that may be true, but God's mercy and his grace has covered me, but I receive that accusation personally, it leads to what? Condemnation, shame, and guilt. When I'm led with those three things, guess what our only recourse is out? I will function my way back into a relationship with God. So somebody says, I just really need to make things right with God. Well, how do you do that? I needed this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And I'm saying when you lead to this place, the way that you get back to what you think you're away from 
is to receive what he has said about you even in the moment when that accusation is true. It's so quiet in here. Am I doing a bad job? And so instead of functioning to get back, it's like I, you guys should be jumping or shot. I don't know what I should expect from you guys. There is one guy up here speaking. But he comes to deceive. He comes to falsely accuse. And what is that? It doesn't mean the accusation is false. It just means that he's no longer able to accuse the one who has been justified in the courtroom of heaven. So when he accuses me of something I've done in my past, trying to get me to receive the same uh, ju uh, judgment that I, 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 I deserved from my past, he falsely accused me. Why? Because the accusation, I've been declared what? Innocent in the courtroom of heaven. So now, instead of receiving his accusation and going, you know what? That is so true. How could I expect God to use me in ministry if I was like that? And we now believed what he said to about us rather than going, God, wait, he accuses me of this. I know I've done that. But your word says that all things are passed away. I'm a brand new creation in Christ. You said your mercies are abounding and that you said you remember my sins no more. So God, I receive what you said about me. You said I'm justified by faith. And I put my faith in what the Lamb of God has done for me. So I declare myself in your presence because you did it. I just agree with you. I am innocent. And now I'm at a place of what? Rest. I receive something that is mine by faith. So he comes to deceive, he comes to falsely accuse, and he comes to slander. And those slanders against us, they seem so real, and they seem so personalized to us that sometimes we begin to believe the very things that he says about us. So as I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, the enemy has one key mission. Does anybody remember what it is? To hinder the work of God on this earth. God has a work for us. Every single generation he has birthed into this world is there to partner with him to do the work that he's called for us to do. Every single one of you have a calling on your life. You have a ministry inside of you and you have giftings that he has given you so you can fulfill the ministry that he has called you to. Now, if we don't, don't believe that, if we don't receive that, if we don't say, God, I know that's who you made me to be. I'm in this generation for a reason. I'm a son of God. I'm the light of the world into a dark world. I receive it. Father, show me how to walk in this. If we don't do that, we will go by life always wondering why we're here, what our purpose is, and we'll never fulfill the work that God is called to do through our lives. And, but there's somebody who's behind that. If you don't believe, if I say, you know what, there's a calling on your life, there's a ministry inside you, and there are giftings of God, and you start to hear, no, that's not really me. I don't have a lot of giftings. I don't, have, I don't know about a calling. I don't have a ministry inside. Guess who just whispered to your ear? He's masterful at reminding us, no, 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 that's not you. That's for somebody else that God created, but not for you. So the enemy wants to hinder the work of God on this earth. Why? Because when the work of God, God is done, Jesus can come back. And the enemy is holding on as dearly as he can, as long as he can. So the enemy wants to hinder the work of God on this earth. And how does he do that? He does it by taking advantage of us. And he does that by what? Deception. So he has to, a powerless enemy who has no authority and he's already lost, has to find a way 
to take advantage of every single one of us who have the favor of God on our life. We are walking under the favor of God. We are walking under the blessing of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And now this enemy who has been defeated and has no authority and has no power is going to go, okay, how do I take advantage of somebody that has all authority over me, all power over me, and the God of the universe dwells in them by the Holy Spirit? How does he do that? Through deception. I have to somehow get them to a place where they believe more in what I've spoken to them than they do what God said about them. And if I can get them believing more about what I've said about them, I can get the advantage back over their life. And that's why I don't think it's on the screen. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, or is there, for we are not what? Ignorant. I'm trying to expose, if I can, just three weeks, I'm going to expose the enemy in your life. He's good at what he does. It's the only thing I'll give him, but he's good at what he does. He knows how to deceive because it's his only ploy inside of life. And Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are what? They're destroyed. God said, my people are actually destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge about the truth of who they are and who I am. And so when we do not have the knowledge that we need, and just doesn't mean more information, it means we've revealed knowledge of the word of God when we know who we are and we know what the enemy's up to, all right, let, bring it on. And some are scared to say that because we think he holds so much power in this life, but he does not whatsoever. So Satan has, a, and I mentioned this again, I'm just trying to do a quick review. Satan has what? He's trying to in, in, allure us with two things. He wants to allure us into a life of sin. And he does it very craftily. You deserve that pleasure. You deserve a moment of happiness with that other person inside your life. You deserve what that addiction brings you inside your life. You deserve to actually act like that toward that person and talk about that person behind their back. You deserve. And so what happens is he feeds something inside of us. He feeds a thing called self. And we start to get allured by what? A thing called sin. And sin will tell everybody this. Just this once, and it's really not a big deal, but it's a trap. And so if he can't allure us into a life of sin, what does he lure us into? A life of religion. If I can't get them to be sinners and going and doing some uh, despicable things throughout their life, I'm going to allure them into a place of just make yourself look good on the outside but who cares what's going on the inside? So go to church on Sunday, but we're going to have hell at home on Sunday afternoon and Sunday nights. And you know what? You can put a smile on your face, but you're going to treat your wife like that. You're going to treat your husband like that. You're going to treat your kids like that. What happens is we start now learning how to pretend. And religion says, no, 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 just say the right words, look right, and you're okay, at least with us. And, and, and God wants to set us free from both of those things. And why would Satan want to lead us into a place of sin? I, don't, I actually did put this on the screen. Go to James chapter 1. Okay, this is what he's attempting to do. And this is why I wanted to briefly mention this. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So Satan has this little, uh, little lermon over here. Just like somebody would go fishing they put their rod in the water, and that little guy is alluring those fishes. And so Satan's doing the same thing. He's like, okay, 
I want to get them at least looking at this, at least thinking about it. So he plants a seed. And I remember this is how he does it, at least with guys. You're going on a trip. You're leaving your wife. And so you're walking through the airlines. Pretty girl walks by. What do you do? Kind of linger. Watch that pretty girl walk by. Then you go into the magazine place and you start to just see just the pictures on the different magazines and look for a few longer seconds than normal. And you see that one, you see that one. And what is he doing? He's just feeding something little by little, little, little by little, little by little. And I remember when he did this, I went to a place, oh, it was in, um, no, 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 it's, uh, why is it not coming to me? It's a European place. Um, I can't remember, but I remember feeding, getting fed, getting fed, getting fed without even realizing. And I always knew, okay, Justin, when you're tired, so when I was, when I travel, what I would do is I would ask either if they would take the TV out of my room in these places, um, or I would get the remote, take out the batteries, and I would hide the remote or whatever it is, and I would unplug the TV immediately. And I would not open my laptop if it was at night. Because I knew I was entering into what? I was entering into a battle. I knew travel long day. I knew that what I was about to embark upon was going to be a fight. And I remember, well, I can't remember that place where I was at. I remember getting to the hotel room probably 11 p.m. at night and uh, made sure I didn't open the computer to even try to, knew I was tired, got ready for bed. And the thought came to me, just relax and turn on the TV. And I remember doing it. Now, remember, he works through what? Suggestions. Like he's just going to drop something in there. And he's already probably been feeding me all day long. Because the Bible says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And so I'm sitting there on the bed And I turn on the TV, and the first three out of five channels were all pornographic channels, just full-fledged, like nothing, there is nothing like just a movie about it. It was just fully that. And I remember, I personally did it, I turned off the TV, and I wrestled for hours that night with those images in my mind. Like, I knew it was a full-on, this is going to be a battle, because the next suggestion was what? Just turn the TV back. Yeah. And just go to the other channels, Justin. <laughs> like, that was not a trick. And, and, and it was like, no, no, no. Okay, there's a battle going on here. This is watch and pray lest you enter. Why? Because then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings what? That's why he wants to allure people into a place of sin. Why? Because if I can get you there, then you're bound. Addicted people can't be free enough to live the way that God needs them to live, to go do what God's called them to do. They're bound by certain things. Eventually, that gets them to a place where they just can't can't walk in the freedom that is rightfully theirs. And secondary, he says, how about in religion? You don't want sin? Come over here and let me introduce you to a life of talking the right words and uh, coming and singing the right songs, but nothing changes on the inside. And so Jesus told the Pharisees, the cup that you have, the outside is so clean, 
but inwardly you're still full of all the stuff that you used to be full of. And that's why Jesus wants to introduce all of us to the grace of God, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to say, Justin, what I do, I do eternal, internally, not just externally. So now I'm responsible, think about these three words, I'm responsible to submit, to resist, and to rest. Submit to who? God. Look at James 4, 7. You can put that on the screen, Nico. Therefore, what? Submit to God. Father, I'm surrendered to you. Your will is my will, and what you desire in my life is what I desire in my life as well. I'm submitting to what you have for me. Now I have to what? Resist the enemy and rest. Submit, resist, and rest. First Peter 5, 8, 9, these are verses that we went over last week. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, he's walking around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So it says what? Resist him and steadfast in what? Faith. Guys, you can do this. You are sons of God with the authority that God has given to you. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of every single one of you. When he comes and tempts you with sin, resist. When he comes and attempt, uh, attempts to allure you and tempt you with religion, resist. You can resist both. And you say, I'm not going there. Either way, I'm not going to go into those things. So resisting is my responsibility. So how does the enemy now infiltrate us? He does it by infiltrating our mind. This is where he's coming for. He's coming to play games with your mind, and he does it in such a way that when he says something, you repeat it as though you thought it. It's so crafty, but when you detect it, when you finally, when somebody comes up to your door and they're, they're going through your house and they're trying to burglarize your house and then they walk out and the floodlights come on and the alarms come on, that's what I'm doing with these messages. I'm alarming you that the enemy has been creeping around your mind all day long, maybe for years, maybe for decades. He's been telling you, you're no good, you could never, you, you will never, you're, you're, you've done this and you won't ever do this and you'll never be like this and you'll be just like your parents and this is going to happen to your kids and your marriage is going to break up and your business is going to go down and you're going to be a failure and you're never going to fulfill the will of God in your life. He is telling you lies all over the place and you think, man, I just... I'm just struggling right now. Why? Because sometimes we do the Christian thing, which is, God, I love you and I worship you, but we're not resisting the one that is waiting for us. Maybe he's in here with us right now, but he's waiting usually for us right outside those walls going, I'm coming for the word. I'm going I'm to come for that word that was going. And guess what's going to happen? He is going to bombard you the very same places. Do you know what happens when I teach many things? I get literally attacked in the very area that I get to share with you. This whole relational before functional thing has been the ride of my life in a battle of what I do with function and how I'm defined by relationship and not function. I used to be the guy that was clearly defined. Everybody knew me according to my function. Everybody. It was impressive. It was something that could be admired. And it was something that people wanted to emulate. And I started to take identity in the function. And God says, okay, let's take your little letters out of your life and let's see if you still feel the same way about you. God, I feel less of a man. I feel less of a Christian. I feel like, you know what? 
me and you are not good. Good. Now let's get rid of that. Now let's start to define you by what Jesus did for you, Justin. Amen. And, and guess what the enemy does? He just tries to reel you back in and just tries to reel you back in. And the Lord just keeps on saying, it's relational before functional. It's relational before functional. Father, I thank you for Lawrence in Jesus' name. Set that man free from this idea of functional, that this man will take that message of relational before functional wherever he goes in Jesus' name. So Satan specializes in your mind. He does a deception through what suggestion? Why? He's attempting to create doubt. He wants you to unbelieve or not believe what God has said about you or what God has spoken about you in your future. Gideon, you are a mighty man of Moses. I've called you to set my people. Joseph, you're going to be a young man, but one day you're going to rule the kingdom and all these things. It's like, do you have the right address? Like, are you serious? Like, that doesn't even make sense. That you're saying those things. Why? Because God doesn't see the things that we see. So Satan knows exactly what thoughts. He knows exactly what to suggest to send you. He knows how you are. If you're hurt, guess what he'll do? He'll start to now help you paint a picture that goes, everybody's out to hurt me. They did that? Why did they do that to me? And he'll go, And you'll go, why didn't they say hi to me? You know what? Probably because, da 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 You know what? They're, 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 bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> and now we go and we what? Hey, you should tell somebody about it. Okay. So we go now and tell somebody, this person didn't even say hi to me. Do you know, they probably have such a problem. I can't even believe it. Like, acting like they're all Christian, they have their hands raised during church, and they'd even say <laughs> hi to me. And now we tell that person, and now that person has an opportunity for the enemy to what? Can you believe that? Say there's hi to me. And now we start to build up an offense, and we don't even know why we're mad at that person, just the fact they didn't say hi to my friend. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's a game he's playing, and he's doing it so well. Right. He does it masterfully before, be, between me and Sarah. Oh, she's mad? Just be silent toward her, Justin. Yeah, just be silent toward her. Let her know I'm mad too, but don't say it. Just be silent toward her. Sarah, what's wrong? Nothing? Okay, nothing's wrong with me either then. Right? And now he's got me bitten against my wife, who is my partner in all this, who is my ally, and now he's got us. Why? All because he's so good at what he does, and he'll feed it throughout the day. And this is why it's so quick to deny self. I have no right to be mad at her. Wow. Now, what does the enemy have to do with that one? I have no right to be hurt by my wife. (laughs) What do you do with that one? Everybody's like, no, that's stupid. I have every right to be hurt by my wife or my husband, not my wife, my husband, right? And so what happens is throughout the day, you build up what? Justification. Why? Because he's feeding it. But, but she didn't understand this, and she didn't get this about you, and you said this, and she didn't appreciate that, and oh, you've done this for like the last 10, 10 years of your life, and she never said this about you. I remember telling her one time, like, you've never said this about, what do you like about me? It was like totally the trap was set by the enemy for me to feel bad because my wife never said good things about me that I just never heard or something like that, and now I wanted to hear. It's like, 
He's masterful at what he does, and he does it through what? Suggestion, and he bids us against people, and I want you to see what he's doing for all of us. He's doing it in so many different ways, trying to create doubt and unbelief, and so he infiltrates the minds of God's people only if we allow him to. Our mind is where he attacks. So I'm going to ask John, come on up. Uh, Jeremy, come on up. Ryan, come on up. Amy, come on up. David, come on up. Joseph from the Bible, come on up. And Justin, come on up. Okay, you guys all stand here. You guys may feel like this is a waste of time because you're not going to do much while you're up here, but I really want to show something. All stand facing this way. So one line like this. Oh, and Diego, (laughs) I didn't forget about you. Come on up. Yeah, okay. Squeeze over a little bit. Okay, I want you to see something. So when God works, God starts here, future, and then he invades our present. God's already been where he's taking you. Does anybody disagree? Okay, so God works future, present. Let me just scoot through here. The enemy, (laughs) the enemy, he works what? Past, present. So he has to whisper about where you've been so that what you feel today disqualifies you for where God says, I've already seen you here. So I'm here, and he says, Justin, I've made you an author. That's what I see about you. Now, he sees other things about my life, but he says, I've seen an author. Now, this is when I'm a kid in grade school, doesn't know how to write, I mispronounce a lot of words, as you guys probably hear me preach, and I, I, I don't do that well at times. I never could write really well in terms of my imagination, and yet God sees me as an author. So in my present situation and knowing what my past was like, guess what happens? I start to what? Doubt what he sees and puts in my heart. So I start to dismiss what he's put in my heart Why? Because I know who I am, and I know what I've gone through, and I know what kind of student I was, so who am I to be an author? Are you following me? Two years ago, he tells this man, he puts it in his heart, still to this day, we don't know, is it God? Is it me? Was it me? Was it the devil? (laughs) Yeah, try that one out. So he puts in his heart, you're going to be in ministry. Doesn't know what it looks like, but guess what the enemy's doing? All day long, whispering to him, about why that is not true because of what happened there. So the future God sees about us is bigger than where we're at. And that's why we freak out because I could never do that. No, you can't right now. And that's why he's going to take you from glory and he's going to upgrade you. So he's going to say, John, I'm going to let you go through some things. I'm not the author of it, but I'm going to let you go through some things so you could know who I am to you and what's in this season of life so that when you pass this test, you're going to come out and go, I can do this. Now look at Psalms 105, verse 19. We're going to see a half of it because they're heads. Until, this speaking of Joseph, until the time that God's word came to pass, the word of the Lord what? So God puts it in John's heart. You're going to be in what? Ministry. Now, the enemy goes, that was stupid. Don't ever believe 
have the money. You don't have the, the, the past for it. Nobody is going to trust you. Nobody is going to listen to you. Oh, and by the way, you're not good enough anyways. And so God goes, okay, John, will you, will you what? Trust me. I have already seen you there, John. I already know what it looked. You've already done it in my world. I'm just now going to put pressure on your present until you believe what? What I believe about you. And he can either doubt it because of what life will tell him and what the enemy is going to tell him, or he can say, you know what? I believe it, Father. I don't know how to get there, but I thank you that you're leading the way every step of the way. And the enemy is going to try to what? Hinder every single one of these people from walking in what God says. And it says, until that time that that word came to pass, what's the word of the Lord going to do inside of John's life? Test him. Why? Because when a teacher gives a test, it's to what? Get them to the next level. To upgrade them. It's to, it's to promote them. It's not to fail them. It's to show them what is already inside of them. That's the purpose of what the... So Joseph was tested throughout until the time of thing. David, uh, I, remember, I remember prophesying it, but I knew he, he knew it before I even prophesied over him, that he feels called to what? Lead worship more than just on a stage like this, right? Is that correct? Okay, so that's where the Lord sees him. The Lord sees David. Like when the Lord looks at David, even before he was saved, he goes... That's a worship leader who will lead a lot of my people into a place of what? Worship. If you don't know, and this is no embarrassment whatsoever, so please know that, he has a stuttering problem. I don't mean to say it's a problem, but he stutters. Guess what the, guess what the enemy is going to whisper to him? Oh, he's going he's to have a field day with David saying, there's no way you can do that with that. And God goes... You don't think I knew that about you? Oh, no, no. This is what I see about you, David. And so now the question is, will he believe it? What happens is we go, okay, but how are we going to get there? God says, okay, that has nothing to do with you. Secondly, you don't even know when, just will you trust me? And so what happens is he starts to take these steps forward, and then something happens in their life. Maybe he does something stuttering, and it embarrasses him greatly, and he goes, you know what? This is not, and so the enemy uses it, he goes, I told you that was not for you. And he starts to doubt what God said, and he starts to what? Just take steps back. Why? Because it's easier to take steps back than to forge forward when you, you don't know what God's doing. And so he starts going through financial challenges, and he starts to now doubt his own call in his life, and so he starts to step back. And now what did the enemy do? He hindered, at least for the moment, God working inside their lives because they now relinquished their what? Resisting ability. They put it down. They're submitted to God, but they're not resisting. Okay? Amy, for her whole life, says, man, I have this heart for evangelism. I have this heart for people, to share things with people. And guess what her biggest fear is? People. Sharing the faith with people. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the enemy, why is it her fear? Not because she was born with it. Because the enemy... Maybe when she voiced it one time when she was little about her desire to do that, whispers and said, you'll never know what to say. People will reject you. And who are you to talk? And so she now grows up with that voice speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. And God goes, and I remember God prophesying this to Amy three years ago. God said to her, 
you're like an eight-cylinder that's operating on one. And I'm going to now increase that. So he sees her that way. He sees her as an eight-cylinder car just pumping away at winning souls. And her past puts pressure on her present and says, no way, who are you? And so what she believes maybe is the past, and so she doesn't take steps forward until just recently where she's taken steps forward. <laughs> just get out here where you're <laughs> uncomfortable, okay? And now the enemy is going to whisper again because she just missed an opportunity to share her story or God's story with somebody this past week. And I said, how did you respond? She says, what did you say? That's not who I am. Father, thank you for the next opportunity you're going to give me. What she just did is embraced what God said, that's, that's my girl, that's how I see you, and that's who you're becoming. You already are in my book, but now you're becoming it because you're believing what I've spoken about you. You have Ryan who has expressed the desire, I hope I can be public with this, one day to be a president of a bank, okay? He's been in banking for many, many years. Now his past is going to tell him one thing about his qualifications his presence is going to speak to him, but God put it on his heart many, many years ago, and will change it if God feels necessary, but put it on his heart and says, I see you as a president of a bank because of what you're able to do with that. When somebody like him is a president of a bank, it changes than somebody who is ungodly as a president of a bank. So guaranteed, God put that desire in his heart. But now, that seems like a big thing. Now, he may believe it. He may not know how to get there, but what happens is the enemy is going to go, Ryan, it's so much work, and it'll take so much money, and it's so much bigger than you. And how about this, Ryan? Maybe you can just be a president of a small bank and not a big bank. Why? Because you know what? And then what happens is it's just a constant dialogue of, man, I don't even know how I'd get there. Lord, that seems so big. And then what happens is day one when you have that desire, now about year eight, you go, hi. And you just start to what? You start to settle. Why? Because the enemy persuaded you what you believed. Maybe it's just not the truth. Jeremy, you have Jeremy here. Amy, you feel uncomfortable yet? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Move back. That would be perfect for this illustration. Yes. <laughs> so you have Jeremy. Uh, so God saved how many years ago? 30 years ago, been a Christian for many of those years, and just about four years ago, or what would you say, three or four years ago, four or five years ago, the Lord put it on his heart, ministries in your future. So he starts making those steps forward, but have you heard contrary voices at all? Not qualified, don't have the equipping, don't have the education, don't have the past, yeah, yep, uh, don't have any hair, I mean, just like, <laughs> the, the enemy will use anything, I'm telling you. To get him to say, that is not true about you because of that. And God going, no, 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 I got something for it. And we, we get overwhelmed like this. And God goes, that's okay to feel like that because it's way bigger than you. That's why you need my grace to do what I've called you to do. I didn't call you because you're capable. I called you because I've called you. And I'm here to equip you for that. I'll walk every step of the way. And in order for you to be the minister that I need you to be for me, in order for me to minister to you at New Day, boy, did he do a number on me. Until the word came to pastor New Day Church, the Lord, the word of the Lord tested him. Like it was a daily test. It was like a hundred question test 
every single day of me going, oh, failed that one. Oh, failed that one. Oh, I got 50 on that one. Oh, 60 on that one. Till finally he prepared me and rid me of so many things that I now can preach to you relational before functional. But how could he get that message out if he didn't get that message in? And so he says, okay, I'm going to prepare you to be a minister. And now he's going to take him on this journey and the enemy every step of the way will do whatever he can to keep him from embracing it, from going down the path. And so when you go down the path and you're thrown into a pit and you're accused of cheating and thrown, uh, 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 accused of sexually assaulting somebody's wife and then you're thrown into prison, will you still believe what God told you long ago that you're going to be second in command? And will you still believe it? Now, Diego, this is... Man, I remember we were at a Mexican restaurant when he showed me these things, and he says, God gave me a vision. It probably was seven years ago, do you think, of the ministry? For me? Yeah, which one? <laughs> for, for me? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's going to be 10 years. Ten year, okay, 10 years ago, and he has yet to step into it. 10 years that God said, I have a ministry that I show you to be. And he said, God, I want two things from this. I want my family to do it with me. And was there one more thing? The finances to do it, I think, was another one. No, it was, uh, if you want me to do it, you have to heal me. Yep. Um, and then, which uh, he did. Which he did. And then, uh, uh, Your family comes my, with. My entire family, anyone attached to my daughter. Uh, he said, yep, they're, they're going to do ministry with him or be in, in the kingdom of God. So... Three or four years after that, what happened to your wife? Yeah, um, she had a, a, brain, a brain stroke. A brain stroke that she's still, still fighting through. Now, this has been a fight of his life. It's been a fight of her life. It's been a fight of the kid's life. But the call is still there. God doesn't just go, you know what? Man, I'm so, I'm so sorry for what you've been through. You know what? Let's not do that. You just stick to being a cop the rest of your life, and we'll just hold on to this ministry. I'll give this. this. No, no, no. He still believes in Diego. He still believes, Diego, this is the call of God. Trust me. But God, it's been 10 years. Oh, yeah. You haven't even touched the Abraham years yet. So we're, we're still okay on that one. So, so Diego, trust me. The call of God is still strong inside your life. Just don't listen to the voices. Submit to me and resist the enemy. Why? Because he's whispering and 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 he's deceiving and he's falsely accusing and he's slandering all across the board to keep them from what? Just taking steps down this journey. Taking steps down this journey. Taking steps. Why? He'll, he'll put fear in the way. He'll start going, no, 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 no. What, 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 what if you actually believe that and it doesn't come to pass? What if you fall flat on your face? And so he starts saying, fear, 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 fear. And it rises up inside of us and it causes us to what? Settle into the place where our present now mirrors what our past allows us to be. Rather than saying, I don't know how you see this about me, God, but I believe it. And when I'm doubting, Lord, I thank you that you remind me of it. And I will remind myself through my mouth this is what God's called me to. Thank you guys very much. So let me close with this 
set of thoughts is God speaks to these people and he gives them promises. I will be with you. My grace is sufficient. My word is true. And now he gives us these promises and the enemy now challenges the what? The promises. To get us to what? Doubt the promiser. And I'm here to say, why don't we flip the script and take a promise and start challenging our challenges with the promise? Oh, enemy, you want to tell me that I can't do this because of this? Oh, I'm going to double down on the fact that this is who my God is. And if God is for me, nothing can be against me. I'm coming full force to do what God has called me to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know by the grace of God, he is going to use me for his kingdom purpose. Enemy, you can lie to me. You can try to stop me. You can try to kill me, but I'm not going to believe what you have said about me. I believe what my father has, and he said I'm more than a conqueror, so I'm going to take that, and I'm going to challenge your challenge to saying that I'm not, and I believe that he said is true. And now I challenge what is being challenged. I'm going against it. So you have worry that comes. This is the part that I'm going to close at. Worry comes first as a thought. What do you do with worry? Now I want you to see the difference here. With worry, you have to what? Cast it. Worry and lust are different. Worry and fear are different. There's different things you do with what enemy comes. So when he comes with worry and he goes, let me try to use my own example. Let's just say, put it in the last year. Thought comes, Justin, you're going to lose your marriage. Okay, thought, right? What do you do with that thought? Most often we go, God, I don't want to lose my and we now talk about a thought that was planted in our mind by who? The enemy. And now the subject of my conversation is about a problem, not a promise. And so the Lord says, this is what you do with worry. You what? Cast it. So the worry thought comes. Anybody have a water bottle? Can I have that? No, that one. So give it to me and say, um, your marriage isn't going to last. Thanks. <laughs> That's probably why. So I get it, and now I have the thought. And the question is, what do I do? Some go, my marriage is not going to last. And we receive it. And God says, Justin... I want to show you something. You play baseball before, Justin? Yes, yes, sir, I have. Okay, now put it in your right hand. Okay, now pick up your left foot. Okay, now toss it. And that's what you do with worry. And it keeps on coming back. (laughs) These illustrations are amazing. And when it comes back, toss it again. And give it to everybody else. <laughs> and so you tossed, but what do you do with fear? You don't cast fear. You don't toss fear. What do you do? Receive his love. Perfect 
love, cast out all. And so I don't need to talk to God about my fear. I talk to him about his love. He knows I'm fearful. And he doesn't take fear away, and he doesn't take worry away, and he doesn't take lust away, and he doesn't take gossip away. He doesn't do any of that. He goes, you're fearful? Let's talk about my love a little bit. Yeah, but God, what does love have to do about fear? Everything. Because you're fearful because you're not secure in who I am to you. Another one I have here is sin. What do you do with sin? Maybe sexual. Sorry, Carl. Did I get you all wet? Okay. <laughs> Everybody's like, so thirsty because I'm preaching so long. So what do you do with sin? You don't cast it. You don't talk about God's love. You flee. You flee from that temptation. And he entices you with those things. You start to flee. Ashamed. What do you do with shame? You don't cast it. It's not a love issue. You exchange it. You take the shame and you give it to God and you receive from him righteousness. I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I'm the righteousness of God. How about anger? Look at these. Anger, offense, revenge. You don't cast them. You don't have to confess them. You what? Deny yourself the right to be angry, to be offended, what was the third one? Or to have revenge towards somebody. So there's different ways the enemy works, and sometimes we don't know how to respond. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, man, worry comes, cast it. Fear comes, Father, I just receive your love today. And I thank you that I'm secure in your love, and that when your love is perfected in my life, I have no more fear. How about when lust comes, run the other direction? How about when anger comes? Justin, you have no right to be angry at that person. Oh, you bet I do. Do you know what they did to me? I have every single what? Right to be mad at them. In fact, you know what? I hope they lose this and I hope this happens to them. And you know what? I hope God judges them and comes hard down upon them. But when you want to win over it, what do you do? The function of denying self, saying, Justin, give up the right to be angry and offended and revengeful. We can win, guys. You already have the victory. I don't know where he's coming in at. I don't know if he's sneaking around the back door of the house or the front door or through the window. Discover how he's getting in there and resist him. You have all authority that's been given to you. Don't let him play games with you. Amen? Whew. That was a lot of words. Father, we just bless you today. And we just thank you for your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. Lord, I thank you that there's freedom in this house. There's freedom in this place. Lord, we're exposing the wiles and the schemes and the devices of the enemy. And I thank you that, Lord, here's what I, here's what I hear. For some of you, the Lord has put something in your heart about something down the road and you don't believe it anymore. If that's you, please stand. You've doubted the things that God has put in your heart. You guys can go ahead and play.
I'm going to pray, but let me just say this. Receive it. Receive what he has. Ask him for a, a bigger picture. Ask him for a clearer picture. Say, when the Lord says, will you trust me? Just say, yes, I'll trust you. I will believe again. I will believe what you showed me so many years ago or months ago or decades ago. Father, I want what you want for my life, and I've doubted you. I believed a lie, and I, I, re, I relinquished that lie in my life. And I just believe what you said. So, Father, thank you for a new fresh start. Thank you for a new beginning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every single person that stood, that belief would rise up on the inside of their hearts, that they will respond by faith to say, yes, I will trust you. I won't look at what I'm going through. I won't look at what, what happened to me in my past. And I'll start to re resist the voices that are telling me I can't do it. And, Father, I just release your power in Jesus' name in their lives. Open their eyes to see what you see about them, Father God. To believe again, to live again, to go again, to fight again, to, to walk again, to go after what it is that you have placed inside their hearts. Father, I thank you for every one of your sons and daughters that they will fulfill the will of God for their life because they've chosen to believe you and they've chosen to trust you in Jesus' name. And everybody said...